you know, there are some words in the uh, English language that we don't like. You can go ahead and turn to Galatians chapter 1 if you'd like to. But there are some words in the English language that we don't like. Can I give them to you? Now, teenagers, don't jump over the pew and come after me because you would lead the list on some of these words. We don't like no. Now, would anybody be dishonest enough to say that you like somebody to tell you no? No, quit, stop, wait. Tonight, we're going to look at don't. Tonight, we're going to look at don't. And, and, and I want to say this. These are words that we don't like, but let's put a little frame uh, around them. Though we don't like the words don't, they are necessary. And many times, these words that we don't like, particularly don't, are really needed, and they help us. Think about child raising. Think about child raising. Some of the folks who don't have children at home anymore almost passed out because they don't want to get back into that, okay? Today, we do not think, we do not really embrace as a society this old concept that my mom and dad had. That was, you want the best reason to obey me? What is it? Because I said so. Now, we've almost kicked that out because that's not fair to the kid. It warps the kid because you need to always give them a reason. And I'm going to tell you, after my dad raised me like that, I always wanted to give my kids a reason and did until I got totally frustrated. And I said, because I said so. Shut up. I don't want to hear any more. And then mom came and got on me because I said shut up, all right? But, you know, that because I said so, that instant immediate obedience is for protection. If that child gets away from you and ambles off toward the street and you see a car coming and you say, stop, don't, quit, they don't need to turn around and say, why? They wind up dead. The military is the same way. The reason that the military is so strict about immediate obedience is because you get in battle, you, you, it could kill you. Now, I want to bring it down to the spiritual, to this walk with Christ, to becoming a believer and to walking as a believer. God expects instantaneous, immediate, complete, total obedience. In fact, anything less than that is disobedience. And the reason that he expects that of us is still life and death. But let, please hear me. It is not about our life and death. It is about the life and death of those folks around us. Those folks who still need to know Christ. When he tells us to do something, there is an eternal end in mind. And he's called us, and he's called us to be plan A. May I say this to you? We're still plan A to go into the world, to share the gospel. And here's the secret. There is no plan B. As I, as I read the text that we'll read in just a second, this one word jumped out at me. If you're able, would you stand and let's read these four verses. As we continue our study, what's so great about grace? Paul writes... I am amazed that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ 
and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are troubling you and want to change the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel other than what we have preached to you, a curse be on him. As we have said before, I now say again, if anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you received, a curse be on him. For am I now trying to win the favor of people or God? Or am I striving to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a slave of Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'll be close to us in the moments ahead. And I'll help and I hope that you will impart to us your spirit of understanding and comprehension and your spirit that leads us to maturity and growth. Lord, help us tonight to get to know you better. I ask for a breakthrough. I ask that you'll break through the coldness of our hearts and the hardness of our hearts. And that you'll make our hearts on fire for you. In your name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. As I read this text, there's a lot of ways that, that we could have approached the text. But it seems to me, as Paul is saying... You know, what's so great about grace? You better understand that this word, that there are some warnings you better face and you better face up to and you better look at. And it centers around this word don't. And I want to offer you four don'ts tonight. You go, Brother Jerry, you're not supposed to preach negatively. Well, see, here's the thing. When you were told what not to do and it creates a positive effect, it's a positive thing. So just follow me just a second and you can write them down. Number one. Don't turn away from the gospel. Don't turn away from the gospel. Man, as I read this, it's interesting that Paul went and invested time in in the southern Galatian churches. And that as he invested time and he taught them the trueness of, uh, of the gospel of Christ, that it's interesting that they're already being pulled away. Were they saved? Yes. Were they given the true gospel? Yes. I mean, the Apostle Paul taught them. But how interesting is it that, they, that they're pulling away? In fact, Paul says this. I am amazed. Can I give you the watch version of that? I am amazed. I am stunned. I am shocked. I am surprised that you are so quickly turning away from him who called you by the grace of Christ. You see, the truth is they were falling away from the grace They were now beginning to listen to other people, and this was serious business to Paul because Paul gave his life. He changed his life. His name was changed. His direction of life was changed because of the grace of Christ. And it was serious business for him as it is serious business today when we turn away from nothing but the grace of Christ. You see, folks, when it is not Jesus alone, it is not Jesus at all. These folks were teaching that you had to be circumcised, that you had to obey other traditions. They were given a false roadmap. 
think about that. A false roadmap. Now, you know that we were out of town Thursday, Friday, and Saturday going to take care of Deb's mom. And we were following, in an area that we know pretty well, we were following one of those GPSs. Everybody have a GPS these days? You know what I discovered? That GPS not right all the time. Have you found that out yet? In fact, the funniest thing happened Thursday night as we were going from Pensacola to Milson, where we normally stay. Had that GPS cranked up, had our friend Don and Becky's house plugged in, and I drove down Highway 90, and I got to the red light where I knew I was supposed to turn left. Are you ready for this? The GPS didn't even have a road there. You see, you can't trust them all the time because here's the truth. Roadmaps that men give us can be flawed. Can be flawed. There in Galatia, there in Galatia, these Judaizers had come in and they had said, you know, you got to have Jesus. That's good. That's okay. But, but then you got to need to be circumcised or, or then you need to follow specific traditions. You know, Jesus told the Philippian jailer in Romans 16, he just said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You know what Jesus said in John 14 in the shadow of the cross? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. The truth is that when we come to Christ in faith, there are going to be people and, and uh, um, things pulling us away, getting us to turn away from the gospel. And the first word that I see here is don't turn away from the gospel because the gospel is life. It is health. You see, the gospel, simply put, is the good news. God's good news. God's gospel is God's good news. What is the good news? Well, let's start off and get the whole picture. The good news that he wants us to tell begins with bad news. And the bad news is we are sinners. We are sinners. Your mom and dad are sinners. Your kids are sinners. Your grandkids are sinners. Don't charge the platform. We are all sinners, and we're sinners by nature, and we're sinners by choice. It's part of the curse. And the wages of sin are still death. And if we try to satisfy that, that payment, we will never enter into heaven because we can't die and go there. So Jesus was sent by God the Father to come to earth and live a perfect life to die the death in our place, to overcome death and the grave and hell, going down to hell and taking the keys from Satan and say, they're mine now. And when we put our trust in him, the Holy Spirit comes and works in our hearts and our lives, and he reveals to us how desperately we need him, that apart from him, we will go to a place called hell. And when he does that, we receive him into our lives. And when we do, our lives are changed. There's the good news. We have now walked from death to life. We have now walked from darkness into light. And we have now changed our direction from hell to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's good news. Don't turn away from the gospel. The second thing that I would share with you is that don't trust another gospel. 
As I read this, it seems to me that the people in Galatia were trying to substitute a false gospel for the gospel of God. Now, here's what I want to say to you, so wake up for a second. This word needed to be preached in Galatia, and it needs to be preached in America today. Don't trust another gospel. You know why? Because in America today, there are many voices that are calling us to turn away and to trust something else. Oh, yeah, they're, they're on TV. Yeah, they'll read their Bible eventually. But you watch the subjects that they deal with. They will not deal with the complete counsel of the Bible. You find those in large measure, they will not deal with sin. They will not deal with the crucifixion of Jesus. And if you watch lately, many of them have gone away from talking about the blood of Christ for redemption. And they are getting people by the thousands with their positive, with their positive approach to everything. People by the thousands attending. Now, Brother Jerry, do you have any in mind? No, I have no one in mind. I'm just telling you they're out there. And one of the things that you and I have to do is we have to be in the Word and we have to be living the Christian life so we can recognize the artificial. In fact, somebody asked me about a particular preacher and I said, well, you know, about, about 80% of what he preaches is right in, right in line with the Bible. But that other 20% will send you to hell. Don't put your trust in another gospel. And then he goes on to say, you know, there's really not another gospel. That reminds us that anything outside of Christ Anything outside of Christ is a false gospel. Just remember this about grace. Just remember this about God's gospel of grace. God owns it. God originated it. God oversees it. And only God offers it. His grace is the grace that changes lives. We sing it. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Sang it two weeks ago. You see, folks, it is all about the grace of God. Now, you and I know, if we look around, that in our culture today, many people are trusting in other things. You ask somebody, are you going to heaven? They'll go, man, I think so. What makes you think so? Oh, I'm being really good to my wife and my kids. Oh, that's fine. I, I'm honest. I live a life of integrity, which is probably, maybe. You see, folks, when we start trusting in other things other than Jesus, and I want to say this to us in this room. If your testimony is tonight that you'll make, that you'll go to heaven, that you'll miss hell, that you're living an abundant life and you're living it apart from Christ, if your testimony is anything else, then Jesus gave me new life. Jesus gave me a new direction. Jesus transformed me from inside out. If your testimony is anything other than that, you're trusting in the wrong thing. Don't trust in another gospel. That's what he says. Now let's move to number three. Don't teach anything foreign to the gospel. 
I've gotten here pretty quickly because I want to hammer this home. The truth is, the truth is, we've mentioned a couple of times in a couple of weeks, like they mentioned in Jude, some men crept in. Some people have come teaching their own form of gospel. Some folks have gotten in. And I've already told you that God owns and operates and offers grace. Here's what I need, here's what we need to get tonight. First of all, there is no other gospel. While people, while people want to teach you that there's another gospel, there really isn't. May I say this to us? It is really tempting to latch on to something else. The way the world is pulling at us, the way the world is reaching out to us, the way the world is trying to make itself so attractive, the way, and let me just say this way, the world generally equals the influence of Satan. Hello? Wait a minute, Brother Jerry. I know people in the world. Satan's not there. Well, let me tell you something. The Bible still says there's only two ways. There's only two paths. There's not three or four. There's only two. You're either a sheep or you're a goat. You're either saved or you're lost. You either have a relationship with God or you don't. And the truth is, when we have a relationship with the Lord, when we have a relationship with the Lord, our lives begin to reflect what the Lord wants. I was talking to a... Actually, let me just say this. We were rehearsing this afternoon for uh, something that was going to be done in the revival, the Hueytown Revival, and here a little later, and old Sambo came in. And then, you know, he made his professional faith, and we'll be baptizing him, and... And I give all the boys and girls one kind of book, adults another kind of book, young people another kind of book. But I gave them a little, uh, we gave them a little workbook. And old Sam came in and he goes, Brother Jerry, we're doing that workbook. I said, yeah. He said, but I thought it was a Bible. Actually, he'll get his Bible when he gets baptized, come to think of it. But you know what the truth is? is that if we're not going to teach anything uh, foreign to the gospel, we need to know exactly what our road is that we are going to teach. We need to vet what we teach through God's Word. Because when we do not teach God's Word, did you see what he said here twice? Did you see what he said here twice? Verse 8, he said, it don't matter who it is. It can be me or it can be an angel from heaven. May I just pause here to say that too many people in the traditional church today have their theology based on what granddaddy told them or what mama told them, in case you're thinking I'm talking about your parents, or even what the preacher told them. Too many of us base our theology on what somebody else has said as opposed to what we have read in his word. That's called the priesthood of the believer. And he says, it doesn't matter who teaches it. It can be either me, my team, that's what Paul says, or an angel from heaven. But it doesn't matter who it is. If someone preaches to you anything foreign to the gospel of God, watch this. Let a curse be on him. Now, if that wasn't enough, I mean, that's pretty straight. He goes down to verse 9. He says, hey, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. 
If anyone preaches to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, a curse be on him. Now, the Greek word for there, for that word curse is one you've probably heard preachers run around. It's anathema. You know what it literally means? It literally means a curse. Let him be accursed beyond redemption. One translator said, one commentator said, let him be cursed to hell. You see, folks, when we teach something other than the gospel, here's what happens. We mess people up. Do you know what concerns me about being a preacher, about having the platform? That I could, that I could speak or teach something wrong. Because you know what principle that I'm worried about violating? What biblical principle I worry about violating and every one of us can violate if we're not careful? It's what I call the stumble principle. It's better to have a millstone tied around your neck and thrown into the sea than to cause one of my little kids to stumble. You know what that means? Not only in my teaching, that means in my life. That means in my lifestyle. That means in my influence. If I teach my children, my grandchildren, or the people that God has placed me here to speak to, to lead, to serve, to develop. If I lead us to act or react or speak in any way contrary to Scripture, that makes me in violation of the stumble principle. I ask you tonight. Is somebody who's watching your life, have they been caused to stumble? Have they seen you act unchristlike in some way and it caused them to stumble you do know that somebody's watching your life don't you they know who you are quite likely they know where you attend worship what what church you're a member of and as they watch you they may be looking to see you. I don't know if you remember when Brother Johnny first came here. He, can't, he sang the song, You're the only Jesus some people ever see. And if you are the only Jesus some people ever see, what do they see? Don't teach with your life, with your words, with your habits, with your lifestyle, anything. That would violate the gospel and the stumble principle. So from here, we have discovered Paul giving us these cautions and the warnings that we don't turn away from the gospel, we don't trust in another gospel, and we don't teach another gospel. The last one, don't try. Don't try to please people. Well, my brother Jerry, I don't think I like that. You know what I'm talking about as the center part of your life. I'm not talking about making enemies. But look at what Paul asks. These are tough questions. For am I now trying to win the favor of God or people? And then he says it again. Or am I striving to please people? And if I were striving to please people, 
I would not be a slave of Christ. I'm surprised he didn't put that as a question. If I am striving to please people, am I really a slave of Christ? You see, folks, we are to be loving, we are to be caring, we are to be gentle, we are to love people, we are to serve people, we are to take care of people, we are to be in unity, we are to live in harmony, we are to walk in the Spirit, we are to walk in love, we are to walk in joy, we are to be together. But our goal is not to please one another. I won't tell you which church. But as a very young man, I served a staff. May I told you this already. I served on a staff, and I sat down with the pastor for the first meeting, Brother Ty. This is what he told me. Oh, Brother Jerry. Actually, he didn't say Brother Jerry. I was so young, he just said, hey, Jerry, let me tell you how things are around here. I said, okay. He says, we have a rambunctious congregation. I wish you'd have told me that just before I got on staff instead of just after. He said, they talk and they complain. I've been here three years. I think it was three. They talk, they gripe, and they complain. He said, my goal is if I can keep most of the people happy, I feel like I've done a good job. Well, you need to know this. Making people happy had not even registered on my Young screen. Now, I don't mean I'm right and he was wrong. I'm just telling you how, to, how it affected me. Can I just tell you some, some problems if you try to make people happy? If, you try, if your got life is centered around making people happy, be aware you do not have the ability in and of yourself, neither do I, to make people happy. You just don't, you're, not gonna, you're not ever going to make them happy. You know why? Because they don't know what makes them happy. One person cannot make another person happy. We're all flawed individuals. I, I just said that, and all the husbands looked at their wives. Stop that, men. Look this way, okay? People's standards keep changing. And, kind of, and that's kind of like what the Bible says, that we're, we're kind of blown around by every wind of doctrine and every teaching. We're, we're just kind of blown around. I, when you make someone, when, you, when, you set, when your life is all about pleasing other people, well, let me just give it to you in a principle. When your life is about pleasing other people, those people take on in your life a symbol of what we call Lord. Because the one that we should be pleasing is our Lord. The one we try to please is our Lord. Now, we don't like to hear this, just like we don't like to hear the word don't. I saw this, I saw this played out when I was in college the first time. I've been to college a number of times, Ty. Never took. I was working on work-study, and it got Christmas time. Now, work, my job on work study was a, was a cross between maintenance and the music building. One of my responsibilities were, were when a show came to our, to our um, auditorium, I was there to help set up. I was there to help with the lighting, anything I could do for the sound, 
That was kind of my work-study job. Now, young people, this name won't mean anything to you, but those of us with gray hair, it will. We had Guy Lombardo to come one time between Christmas and New Year's. Actually, we were on vacation, and I had to come back in and do the show. His front man came in, and he was really difficult to deal with, really difficult to deal with. And I found out why. It's because his whole demeanor changed when Guy walked in. Because this old man's life was centered around appeasing Guy Lombardo. And I'll just give you one for instance. We had a guy sitting down in the pit. And all he had, Michael, guys in the back, all he had for sound to run, he had a little old PV head. And we had one mic wired up for Guy to come up and do his talking and what he did. That's all we had. And, we t- and uh, Randy was told, set the sound and leave it alone. We want you down there. We're going to pay you to be down there. But leave it alone. Just be there in case something goes wrong. Took a break at halfway through the show. Randy came backstage. And Guy goes, I'll never forget it. Guy looks at his little front man. He says, that's a great sound man. Yeah, guy, it's a great sound man. Randy hadn't done anything except sit on his backside down there and collect money. You understand what I'm telling you? You see, folks, when we try to, when we try to take our lives to please someone, we have now replaced the Lord and even the God in our lives. You know what's so great about grace? God owns it, God operates it, God oversees it, and he offers it. Are you a receiver of his grace tonight? If you are, don't turn away from it. Don't trust something else. Stick to it. Don't teach something else. And don't make it about pleasing people. Make it about pleasing 